Hey friends, welcome to God on Tap, and as always, I am Nagus Balding, and we are pressing on into the book of Lamentations today, and so we're going to be looking at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 to 42, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 to 42. Recall my affliction and my wandering, wormwood and poison. My very life does recall and bends down upon me. Thus I answer to my heart, therefore I yet hope. The Lord's kindness has not ended, for his mercies are not exhausted. They are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. My portion is the Lord, I said, therefore I yet hope for him. Good is the Lord for those who look to him, for the person who seeks him out. Good that he has hopes in silence for the rescue from the Lord. Good is it for a man that he bear a yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent when he has set it upon him. Let him put his mouth into the dust. Perhaps there is still hope. Let him offer his cheek to him who strikes him. Let him take his fill of disgrace, for the Lord will not abandon forever. Though he strikes with sorrow, he will show mercy in his great kindness. For he does not afflict on purpose and aggrieve the sons of men to crush beneath his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to sidetrack the case of a man before the presence of the Most High, to deflect a person in his plea. The master would not brook this. Who can speak and it comes about if the master has not decreed it? From the Most High's mouth shall not issue the evil and the good? Of what shall a living person complain, a man for his offense? Let us seek out and plumb our ways, that we come back to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart on our palms to God in the heavens. We trespassed and rebelled. You did not forgive. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I was going to say out loud, like, this is probably the best part of Lamentations. Like, this is finally the good stuff. Uh, But really, all of Lamentations is good. They're all good dogs, Brent. And so... But what this really is, is not necessarily it's the good stuff, it's the best stuff, but it is our our moment of hope. It's our relief of tension. If you've been tracking along with us, and if you know, like chapter one, heavy, chapter two, heavy, first half of chapter three, heavy, and then suddenly we have this moment of reprieve. We have these moments of hope. We have these really beautiful words that are said about the Lord from a man who has just suffered great affliction from the Lord. And so it chances are, if you've heard somebody quote Lamentations, there's a very good chance that the quote came from this portion of Lamentations. I'm sure many of you have heard, like, his mercies never run out. They're new every morning. That's such a profound and beautiful thing to say about God. And now when you think about the fact that it comes in the context sandwiched between all this lament, all this grief, all this trauma, you're like, wow, that's that's even more beautiful. And so what we're going to look at today in these verses is really it's like a three-part thing. And so verses 19 through 36, this is part one, and I call this reasons to hope, Okay. And then in really short, verses 37 to 39, it's sort of like the problem. Why why are we in this problem? Like, let's accurately reflect what the real problem is. And then verses 40 to 42 is the strong man turning to the community, all of Zion, all of Jerusalem, and calling them to repent. And then tomorrow we'll get into that 
corporate lament of the people. But today we're continuing on with the strong man. And we, if you remember yesterday, he's going on and on. He's like, the walls are closing in. He's feeling this entrapment. And then not only is he entrapped by this enemy, then he is like thrashed about like a wild animal from the enemy. And at the very end, verse 18, he's like, oh, by the way, surprise, the enemy's God. And that's where we leave. But what's interesting, it's almost like him saying out loud, the Lord's name. It's almost like him reminding himself that it was Yahweh who did this to him. It's almost like that becomes the catalyst upon which he remembers that he can hope. It's really beautiful because all of the first 18 verses is like, wow, this is like, this is dark. This sounds just like daughter Zion. Like here's this strong man. This is our giver. And he is getting absolutely crushed by his enemy. And then we're like, wait a minute. Like who's his enemy? Which we knew because we read chapter one and chapter two. And then all of a sudden he's like, bing, and releases for us in chapter 18 that it's Yahweh. And we're meant to go, <gasps> but it's the reminder of Yahweh's name that then he declares these unbelievable moments of faith and hope in the one who has afflicted him. This is a bonkers moment. And so, okay, so verses 1936, reasons to hope. Why does he hope? After all of this affliction, why does our giver, why does our strong man, why does you know, El Strongo still decide that it's worth hoping. Well, one of the reasons is because he remembers God's character. And so at the very beginning here, he talks about two components of God's character, his loving kindness, which is this Hebrew word hesed, that I'm sure you might have heard at other times. And if not, we'll get into where we've heard this before. And then he talks about his tender mercies, his rahamim. Okay. And so these two things he talks about, they, they are never extinguished. They don't go out. Okay, so even though his life was wormwood and poison and his life has been so painful, God's mercies are never exhausted and his loving kindness has not ended despite all that he's been through. And so if you're thinking, you're going, gosh, I've heard this word hesed before. I feel like I've heard loving kindness, like I've heard tender mercies. Like what, where have I heard this before? You got a good ear. If you remember back to Gen- or excuse me, Exodus 34, there is a very poignant moment I've been talking about where God declares to himself, like declares to the people who he is. And he's like, hey, I want y'all to know what I am like. I am compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, abounding in this hesedness. Okay, I'm compassionate, right? We talked about what these words mean. And you're going, oh yeah, that's really beautiful. So like, what was this moment in Israel's history where they like, Israel and God holding hands through a meadow, picking wildflowers and making like a wildflower crown for Israel's head. And he was about to drop to one knee and he's like, hey, babe, let me tell you what I'm like. No, that's not the context of Exodus 34. In fact, the context of Exodus 34 is that the people have rebelled. So if you remember, they come out of they come out of Egypt. God rescues them. They have this little DTR conversation in Exodus 19. He's like, hey, I want to be your God. Do you want to be my people? And they're like, we will do all that you command us liars. And so then God's like, well, hold up. I want you to know what it means to be my people. And so chapters 20 through like 24 is like the law. Okay. All these things that God is saying, this is what it means to be my people. You're going to be a people set apart. You're going to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He gives them the 10 commandments. And he says, Hey, this is what it is. And they were like, yeah, we are in it to win it. And so they're supposed to like covenant together. They're supposed to have this moment. And so, but what happens is Moses goes up to the mountain and he's spending time with God and they're working on defining this relationship. And in that moment, they, they're like fresh off their engagement, so to speak. The people cry out to Aaron and they're like, this is, we, we want a God that we can see. 
So will you build us a golden calf? Aaron's like, yep, give me all your gold, melts it down, whatever. They build a golden calf. And then God's like, Moses, you don't go down the mountain. I'm going to kill all of them. Moses is like, oh my goodness. And so he goes down the mountain and he's like, are y'all serious right now? So think about that. This is the God who rescued them out of Egypt not that long ago. This is the God that says, I want you to be different from all the other nations in the world. I will be with you. You saw what I did to the Egyptians. I am your boo. Let's ship. Let's do this. It's cuffing season. Like, let's go. And they're like, yeah, definitely. But we'd like to have a side thing going on with this golden stupid cat. I mean, like, like seriously, God of, like, pillar of fire, pillar of smoke cloud, like, like, God, God, bruh, splits the Red Sea, God. And you're like, mm, we melted our jewelry and made a calf. Okay. That is the context. When God reminds them what he is like, guys, I am compassionate. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. This is what our strong man is reminding us back to. It is Israel's or Judah's rebellion. It's daughter Zion's rebellion, which has brought this. And he is afflicted and, and pressed in on every side. And yet he remembers what God is like. And what God's character is like and how it overflows and that God's loving kindness never runs out for us and his tender mercies never run out for us. And in fact, if you really mucked everything up on a Tuesday and you're like, oh goodness, like I've really messed things up. But then Wednesday rolls around and you're like, you know what? Today wasn't so bad. I honestly sinned a little less than I did on Tuesday. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some of God's grace that he has stored up for me and I'm going to stick it in my pockets because what if Thursday's like Tuesday? What if like the T days are just bad days for me? And instead the scriptures declare, nope, you don't have to store any of them up in your pockets. Guess what? You get a new amount every morning. Every morning, God renews his faithfulness to us. You never wake up and be like, hey, boo, you still love me today? He is in it to the end, even when and especially when we are unfaithful. And that's why the strong man hopes. Despite how bleak it is, he remembers God's character. He goes on to continue about the reasons why he hopes, and he uses the word good. He's like, good, good, good. And there are three things that he calls good. He says, good is the Lord for those who look to him. So it's good if you look to the Lord and you seek him out. That's a no-brainer. You're like, yeah, that is a good thing. And then he says, it's good for he that hopes in silence, for the rescue from the Lord. And you're like, wait, in silence? This bro just spent 18 verses saying out loud the things that are bothering him. What is he talking about silence? And this is actually an area where people are like, what, is, what does he mean by this? And what some scholars believe is happening here is just contradiction. I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's a silence to say no words. I think it's a silence of like you're, what he's saying is you have the posture that you are trusting that the Lord is going to come rescue you. It's almost like a silence of behavior, not a silence of words. Because what he goes on to say is that you are waiting on rescue from the Lord. So I do not, I mean, there's too much scripture that tells us we don't, we don't sit in silence. That's not, we're not Stoics, right? And so I know it's a little bit of a theological head scratcher, but that's what I think is going on here. And then he says, it's good for a man that he bear a yoke in his youth. And I think this is just an old man saying, I'm tired and I'm worn out. And nobody actually thinks it's better to suffer when you're young. I think we just, most scholars just think he's making a practical thing of like, it's hard to suffer when you're old because there's, this is just a really heavy yoke. But it, this, this whole nine through 36 
It's just reasons to hope in the midst of utter despair. And he goes on and he talks about, hey, don't forget what God is like. Do not forget what he has done in the past. Do not forget that it is good to trust in the Lord. Do not forget that it is good to wait on the Lord. And so one of the things I want to point out is one of the reasons why when you go through absolute unbelievable loss and grief and trauma, one of the things you have to remind yourself of is God's past faithfulness. Because it's his past faithfulness that gives us confidence that even now in this moment, he is dealing faithfully with us and that he will continue to deal faithfully with us in the future. The strong man hints at that. He uses this language that is an homage to days of old. And so for so many of us, when we are going through seasons and it is cloudy and it is hard and we cannot see the goodness in our current circumstances. One of the things that we have to do is like remembering the Alamo. You have to remember the Exodus. You have to remember the cross. You have to remember the moments where God was explicitly good to you and you saw them and you anchor yourselves in them because God's past faithfulness gives us confidence that he is still being faithful to us today in the midst of our hardship, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our troubles. So God's past resume, his goodness, his unwavering love, his new mercies that we've seen over and over again, the times when God was gracious to us when we messed up, the times when God was good to us and rescued us, the times when we saw God come through, the times when we saw God answer prayers, the times when we've seen God both historically and in our own lives gives us the confidence to keep going when it feels like hell on earth. Okay, that's 19 through 36 reasons, I hope. And then 37 to 39, our giver is like, hey man, let me tell you what the problem is though. And he talks about very clearly here, it is because of our own sin that we are in this problem. And 37 to 39, he basically just says to them out loud, he's like, look, much like in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy talks about the nation of Israel. And God says to them, look, if you obey my commands, it will go well for you. You will have blessing. You will receive these blessings of, of the, the land that's flowing with milk and honey. I will be with you and all of that. But if you continue to rebel from me, then there will be hardship for you. And what's bonkers is it's not like the first time you rebel, then it's hard for you, or the second time, or the third time. Like what's crazy is the way that God introduces himself to us. He's like, hey, I'm compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I forgive the sins of like thousands of generations, but I will remember the iniquity for three to four. It's like crazy. And the whole point of that is he's contrasting like how unbelievably gracious God is even when we're in sin, that he forgives for thousands of generations, but he, he calls to mind the sins of the fathers for three to four generations. You go, well, three to four compared to a thousand, this is not that many. And you're just like, yeah, that's the point. And so what our strong man is doing is he's reminding the people, hey, we did this. And it's not like we hadn't been warned. And it's not like God hadn't talked about this before. Okay. And so the master decrees this. But why, who are we? What living person can complain when it's his own offenses? And so this brings me back to the difference between lament and complaint. And we've talked about this at the intro. But when you have like the complaining of the people in the wilderness and God's like, do not complain. That's not lament. What they're saying is they're, they're maligning God's character and making complaints about their circumstances that they caused through their own lack of faith. And they're like, God, you are worthless. And he's like, whoa, okay, enough of the grumbling and complaining. 
Lament is different. Remember, it's a turning to God, and it's because of God's character that you turn to him and bring your complaints and you bring your petitions and you ask him for rescue from your current circumstances. And so the strong man is speaking like a wise man, right? He, in the beginning of this chapter, he's like, let me tell you how I've been pressed in on every side, and yet just the name of Yahweh reminds me there is reason to hope because of who God is and what God has done. But also, hey, people of Judah, let me remind you we got ourselves in this mess. So yes, it was God who did it, but let's make sure we keep the blame where it belongs. And then in chapter, and then, excuse me, in the same chapter in verses 40 to 42, it's his call to repent. And what's really cool is we're going to see in the next podcast, we're going to see that they heed his call. But here's this guy, the following, the logic follows, hey, I'm hurting in every direction. And yet there's reason to hope. And this is our fault. And so let's turn to God and repent. Let's turn to God and believe him for his promises. Let's believe him that he says, like he talks about in other places in the scripture, God's like, look, if you would just turn to me and repent, I'll heal your land, right? Like his faithfulness to us, like his forgiveness, his grace is so magnanimous. It really boggles the mind. Like you can think about all these people in the Old Testament who are really, really dumb, right? And they do stupid things. And yet they come and they fall on their knees before the Lord. And God's like, yep, that's enough. That, that's enough for me. Like, uh, like the little ounce of repentance is met with a ton of God's graciousness. And so the strong man turns to the people and he says, look, let us seek out and plumb our ways. In other words, like, let's really examine. Let's really test our ways. Like, let's be honest about why we're here. Let's be really honest about what's going on here. And that way, if we do that, then we can come back to the Lord. We can lift up our hearts and our palms to God because we're the ones that have trespassed. We're the ones that have rebelled. And what's really beautiful is we're going to see the community respond to that in the next section as we go through. And so what's our big so what for us? This is the one part of Lamentations that really relieves the tension for us. It's like for all of us who are like, oof, I don't love the way that sometimes they talk about what God has done. It makes me uncomfortable. There's tension, tension in the text. And then this unit really relieves a lot of the tension. And what it also does is it's sandwiched right smack dab in the middle of this book. It's almost like it's the heart of the book. Now, are there moments when the people are crying out and it's unbelievable grief and it leaves us hanging in attention? Does the end of chapter one end on a high note? No. Does the end of chapter two end on a high note? No. Are we going to end chapter three on a high note? No. Are we going to end this book on a high note? No. But this little moment, This little reminder of what it means to trust in God is such a beautiful reminder for those of us who are going through extreme pain, extreme loss, and extreme hurt, and for those of us who are walking with people who are going through that, is that for many of us, just because we are lamenting and grieving, it doesn't mean that we've lost sight of who God is. And for those of us who start to lose sight of who God is, because all we can see is the situation around us, all we can see is the chaos and the disorder immediately in our eyesight. Then Lamentations 3, 19 through 42 is a reminder to look back. Remember the Alamo, right? Remember God's faithfulness to you. Remember what God has done in history. Remember the cross. Remember when God called you. Remember when God saved you. Remember when God saved people in your life. Remember who God is. Because there's still yet reason to hope. Even after Babylon comes in and absolutely wreaks havoc on you, yet God's loving kindness, his tender mercies 
are new every morning for you and for me and for that guy you can't stand down the hallway and for your mother-in-law and for the person that you're not sure you even could stand to be in the room with God's mercies and his loving kindness for all of us, though we be unworthy, are new every morning, not because we deserve them, but it's because that's who God is. Lamentations 3, 19 through 42 is such a beautiful picture and a reminder of who is God. He's the one that despite our rebellion, despite our running from him, every morning we wake up and we go, you still love me? He's like, oh, yes, I'm still crazy about you. But you know what I did last night? Still crazy about you. You know what I'm going to do today? Still crazy about you. I'm not ready to come back. Yeah, I'll still be waiting. And you know what? I'm going to leave the 99 and come for you. I'm on you. I'm going to come find you because I can't stand being away from you because I love you so much. That's Lamentations 3, 19 through 42. So bathe in this, bask in this. Enjoy God's love and his mercies for you, friends. All right, if nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. But way more importantly, the God who of loving kindness and tender mercies is crazy about you. Peace.